All right, I'm going to start out with an apology, an apology to our young people today. We had intended to have a, a little special celebration with you at the, uh, during the service that Jody and Brooke were both going to um, provide for you, but they both fell ill and they weren't able to be here today. Now, I brought some things that they had for you to do today, and we will give those to you at the end of the service, along with a, a nice cupcake to be the icing on the cake, if you will. Maybe the icing on the cake is that I promise that my message will be shorter than it normally is, okay? So I've cut it down by a half hour. We're only going to be here an hour and a half. Oh, <laughs> I see some serious looks back there, so... <laughs> I am just teasing you all today, um, but we are going to be, be in the Old Testament this morning, um, sharing of the birth of our Lord from the prophet Micah, and if you want to turn there with me, page number 456, uh, the prophet Micah, <laughs> chapter 5, beginning in verse 2 of chapter 5 of Micah. <clears throat> Chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. Now we've read this passage of scripture this morning. We know that the the Lord is the author of the word, but now let's turn to the Lord of the word. One more time in prayer. Ray, would you do that for us, please? Amen. Thank you. Well, during this time of year, uh, most, if not all of us, will receive multiple gifts from loved ones, and we don't have to look very far back into our history. You know, I, I can think about my parents and maybe my grandparents telling them, telling me about their celebration of Christmas, and you know, telling me how privileged I was to get more than one or two gifts. But you know, it wasn't too far back where children only received maybe one or two gifts at the most, and then sometimes the gifts weren't even there depending on the finances. And this is not a message on our society's materialism and our focus on things, although it it certainly could be because we see a lot of that uh, around us and very prevalent today that seems to take away from from the true message of what we're gathered here to to center ourselves around. Um, And we've talked about that already. I mean, last week, week last Sunday in 1st John we talked about not loving the world and the things of the world that's the materialistic things um, also the the forces of evil not to align with those things but today the message is going to be a message about the single most important gift to us and that is our salvation 
and that our salvation is found in Christ and in Christ alone. And the way in which this gift was brought to us, it is both miraculous but also indescribable in a lot of ways that this baby could come, that he would be our savior, that he would die a death that we deserved on the cross and that he would rise again and that he is now ruling and that he is now reigning in heaven above. But as prophecies foretold, which is the way I wanted to bring in Micah, is a savior would be born, right? A savior, a savior called Emmanuel that we sing about, Emmanuel, which means God with us, that God brought himself to us as Jesus Christ, his son, born as a baby, born to a virgin. It was a miraculous birth. He was the Lamb of God who was sent to offer salvation to all who would believe in him. Our celebration should be centered around everything that Jesus embodied from his birth to his death and resurrection and that he is a living Savior who now reigns and will return again and that is the reason we have for celebrating. But when we suggest a Savior, when we even mention that name Savior, it means that there is something that we need to be saved from. And what is that? Well, before the coming of the gift that God gave us that is found in Jesus Christ, we find some really bad news about ourselves. Ray spoke last night about this at Candlelight, about how we receive the inheritance of Adam's sin in the fall. It is that sin condition that affects all of us, and it carries with it some really big consequences. Ray had us in Romans 5 last night. I want us to go to Romans 6, just one verse there. A passage that you're probably very familiar with, most of you, if not all. And I'm going to read just the first part of a two-part verse. That's the way I see it. Because before the revealing of a gift, there is the anticipation of receiving that gift. I know when, I remember when I was young and I had asked for something that I didn't know if I was going to get it or not, and then if it did appear there Christmas Day, I was, I was very elated and happy, and there was a feeling of relief that I had gotten what I wanted. Um, but here we find it just a little bit differently, so keep that in mind. Um, that's just from a human perspective and, and from the materialistic side of things. But here we find in Romans 6.23, what we see before the gift comes, sort of that tension that lies there. And that is the consequences of our sin that is described. And I'm only going to read the first part of it. The wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. And this is why we need a Savior. We need to be saved because we cannot pay the wage that sin deserves. But, and that is a wonderful word that is full of meaning here. Because therein lies the turning point of our salvation. But God, in his wonderful mercy and grace, gave us his son, Jesus Christ. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the second part of that verse. And that is the release of the tension of all this. Here's the consequences of your sin, but here is what he has offered to us in order to redeem us and pay our sin debt. Because of our sin, we needed a savior, and thus God brought his one and only son. And a Savior has come, and through faith in His saving work on the cross to redeem us of our sins, we can be free of that debt that we owe for our sin, and that is death. Death in the spiritual sense, which is being eternally separated from the love of God. 
I just want to remind us of one of the verses that we sang just a while ago, a while ago in that song for Who Would Have Dreamed. And it says, Wondrous gift of heaven, the Father sends the Son, planned from time eternal, moved by holy love. He will, he will carry our curse and death, he'll reverse, so we can be daughters and sons. Christ became our redemption. And when we say that word redemption or redeem, it means to compensate for the faults or the bad aspects of something. That's the Webster's definition of it. There's a second part to that. The other meaning is gain or regain possession of something for payment. And I think that is the definition that fits better with what Christ has done for us. The, the one who has provided the payment for our gain and for our possession. Wages have to be paid and there will come a time when the bill is due. He offers it free to us. And it's free in the sense that we don't pay for it. We don't work for it, but it is by His grace that He gives, us, gives it to us, that unmerited favor. See, we don't deserve it, but yet He gives it freely to us. And it does not mean that it came free to Him. Now, what started out as very meek and humble beginnings for our Savior had eternal purpose behind it. Prophecy had to be fulfilled, and for the Savior to truly be the one that God sent, he had to fulfill every one of the prophecies that was foretold of him. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do, and that's exactly what Jesus did. And that's why we can absolutely put our trust in him to be our Savior. You're probably wondering when I was going to come back to this passage that we read at the beginning, and that's the prophet Micah, but chapter 5 verse 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. After the prophet Malachi, we were reading from Micah, but the last prophet to really speak through God's word was Malachi. And after that, we encounter silence from the prophets. God was not speaking through them. He's not speaking to man for 400 years would pass before God would speak to man. And only this time, it would be in a much more profound way through his one and only son. We've read it in 1 John. We've covered this passage in our study on Sunday mornings. But 1 John 1, 1 through 2 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and touched it with our hands concerning the word of life. And testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And that is why his son is called the word of God. That Greek word is, is logos, and it's like the embodiment of everything that God is then represented and spoken to us in Christ. Silence was interrupted by the birth of a baby who was to be God's word to mankind. As John would say in John 1.14, that word became flesh. He dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glorious of the only Son from the Father that is full of grace and truth. Why did God not miraculously appear as a full-grown man? We might ask ourselves that sometimes. It's how did he, why did he have to come as a baby? Why didn't he just come and live his three years here 
and then die for our sins, well, we know, for one, that all the prophecies had to be fulfilled, the prophecies that foretold of him. He had to be born of a virgin. He comes from Bethlehem that we read about in Micah. But secondly, he had to live as we do so that he could be tempted in all things as we are so that he would show himself as God by being sinless, though being tempted in all things, and thereby prove himself worthy of the sacrifice for our sins. There's a number of other reasons that he came to show us how to live and give us that example. But the two main ones are ones I just described to you. Alistair Begg writes, If God would save, then the Savior must be God. If man must bear the punishment because man sinned, then the Savior must be man. If the man who bears the punishment of sin must be sinless, then who other than Jesus Christ meets the qualifications? Jesus was uniquely qualified to accomplish God's plan of salvation that he would be without sin because the Lamb of God, who the prophet John the Baptist foretold of and proclaimed before Jesus entered into the scene, the Lamb of God had to show his sufficiency as that once and for all payment. In Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. From the cradle to the cross, his entire life proved out that he was the Savior who was sent by God, who being God himself would provide the perfect atoning sacrifice for our sins. And his whole life was filled with purpose that was to redeem lost sinners, sinful and broken mankind, bringing them into a peace relationship with a perfect, holy and righteous God. God is holy and he is the standard of perfection and none of us can live up to it. Therefore, we have to come to him through his son, Jesus Christ. In verse four of Micah, it says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. It just amazes me that from eternity past, God had our redemption plan in mind. What Micah had said earlier, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days, recognizes that this was the plan of redemption from eternity past, long before we ever existed. His perfect plan to make the provision we would need to have eternal life with him. In the night of Jesus' birth, you remember what the angels said to the shepherds? They say, peace on earth and goodwill towards men with whom he is well pleased. Christ ushered in our peace with God. That's why the prophet Micah could foretell of this, saying that he shall be their peace. He is our peace. For those who know Christ, who are in the righteousness of Christ, having had his righteousness imputed to them, that we can be at peace with God, no longer at enmity with God because of our sin, but because of Christ, we could have peace with God. In Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, we experience the security of knowing we are his now and that we are protected from spiritual death, the, the wages of sin. As Micah, the prophet, foretold, it says, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of of the Lord, does that not speak of security? It goes on to say, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, they shall be secure. 
we, what peace there is in knowing that he is faithful and able to hold us secure. Our shepherd protects his sheep. We have been rescued from the grip of sin and its consequences and knowing that the security that he offers is eternal. In our modern cultures, we try to give gifts to satisfy a need or a want. And often we don't really know what a person wants and so we go out there and we buy a lot of gifts and then give it to them and we're hoping that we will hit on that specific need that they may have. I just remember I wanted everything. Maybe I still do, but in my flesh. (laughs) But is that what we truly need? (laughs) What we need is the gift that will satisfy our souls. And we have that singular gift in Jesus Christ. He is all it took. He was sufficient to close the gap between God and mankind. God knew exactly what we needed. He knew our hearts. We knew, he knew our hearts were sinful. He knew we were separated from him, and so he had to put forward the gift. I like the way Paul puts it in Romans 3, 23 through 25. For all of sin falls short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. In Christ, God brought or put forward the gift, and it was Christ Jesus, the gift that would pay the debt we could not pay and restore us into a right relationship with himself, that we might be justified before God. And it is only through faith in that perfect gift of his son, Jesus Christ, that we are justified. And though our salvation is a singular gift through a singular person, Jesus Christ, there are spiritual blessings that are had in a relationship with him. He gives us the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead who comes to indwell our hearts to grow in us the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul would describe those in Galatians chapter 5 as that love that we have from him, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, all those things that are products of our life through a relationship in Christ. We can enjoy those spiritual blessings in him. If you haven't celebrated already with the opening of gifts this Christmas, then I challenge you to be reminded that in spite of the number of all the good gifts, the good material gifts that you might get or have gotten, if you were like Ray and couldn't wait and opened your Christmas presents early, (laughs) only one is eternally satisfying. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And my prayer is that you have repented of your sin, that you have turned to God. As Ray mentioned earlier, it is the gospel that requires repentance, that we turn from our sin, that we turn in faith to God to receive this free gift of God that is ready to be received by faith. Faith that he is the Messiah come, the one whom the prophecies foretold. Faith in all that he gave for us to redeem us out of our lost condition. Faith in his work being sufficient to satisfy the Father's wrath towards our sin once and for all. And faith that he will one day come and take us to himself in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that your message to us from your word is is something that is miraculous and incredible to to just contemplate and yet sometimes it's hard just to put into words all that you have done for us and we could 
We could stand here and we could preach messages for hours and hours on end and we could still not exhaust the riches of this great news to us that a Savior has been born, that a Savior has lived, that a Savior has died to pay for our sins and that a Savior is risen and has conquered death. And God, I just pray that if we are just contemplating this idea of the material gifts that we get and that that is what our mind is focused on right now, that you would help us to just reset our minds, God, to be renewed by your word today and that have that saturate us and to change us and to help us in understanding what it is that we really are celebrating today. And especially for these young people, God, I remember how I was when uh, I was young and, and the excitement of Christmas, and, and it's a great thing, and, and Lord, I, I would just pray that... Uh, as they hear these truths from your word, that they begin to take root in their hearts and their minds. God, that you would grow that in them and that they would one day come in in repentance and faith to you, recognizing that you are their savior and that they would call upon you as Lord. And thank you for that salvation that you offer to us through Jesus Christ. And we pray this and ask it in his precious and holy name. Amen.